Oh, to be like thee. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we think about this great concept that we've seen here in first John, that we have to walk in the light as he is in the light. You see, Jesus is our example. He is the one who leads us, who teaches us, who tells us what God wants, how God is and what our character needs to be. So therefore, he says, but if we walk in the light, so the light is the teaching of Jesus Christ for Christ came into the world to preach to sinners, to help people be saved and that he came as the light into the world and that he would shine in the darkness, that all who were in the dark could see the truth of God. So we have we are walking in the light as he is in the light. Now, if you are walking in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another and when we have fellowship with one another, that means we are cleansed with the blood of Christ that we can be one in family and being one just like him. Why is that? Because Christ is our example. He's our ultimate example. When we become Christians, we're not called anything other than just Christian. That's because the Bible tells us we were first called Christians at Antioch. So what were they called? Christians. And why is that? In Ephesians chapter 5, we can see that um, the union between a man and a woman is marriage. And God has likened our union and fellowship with Christ and God together with him as a marriage. So when you get married, you take the last name of the individual. In our case, we are married to Christ. We take that name Christian. So when you have your own last name, your own family has rules. Your own family has guidelines. And they know how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to act, what grades you're supposed to get, and everything else because of how we've taught you how to be. And when you leave the um, area of your family, let's say you're leaving your home to go do something on your own, guess what is expected of you? That you still live by the example that you were taught your whole life. That's just like Christianity. We are taught to be like Christ. We are taught to live like Christ. And we are taught that Christ is our example. We are taught and we know biblically that he is our husband, that he is the husband of the church, that he will protect us, that he will care for us. We know that we're in his likeness, Romans chapter six, that in the likeness of his death and resurrection, if we are one with him following those examples, living that kind of life, that we too would take part of that resurrection and be raised from the dead. Why? Because you're a Christian and you have mirrored yourself with the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at what Peter says. First Peter chapter two and verse 21. He says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. You see the word should. That's because some Christians are not going to. Some Christians are going to live a life that is, is hard, uh, live a life that is up and down in their faith, that it's not even. 
But we need to be in that category of the ones that are because they should. First Corinthians 11 and verse one, look at what Paul says. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we have Paul teaching us that his example is just like Christ. Now, what is that really teaching us? That's teaching us is that the example that Christ left is attainable for us as humans to obtain. So therefore, Paul says, I imitate Christ. You also imitate me. Now we have Peter saying Christ is leaving us an example. And we're going to get to that verse a little bit later. I want you to think about this. Sometimes the reason we don't mirror the image of Christ is because we don't let Christ mold us. Think about Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, the ones who are going to obey the gospel, the ones who would be Christians, holy and beloved, loved by God and holy because the Lord your God is holy and sanctified. Therefore, you be holy as he is holy. Why? Because the Lord your God is holy. You've been elected by God to be holy. You are beloved. Why? Because now you need to put on the right character. So how am I going to put on the right character? I've got to follow the right example. Now, what is that? We put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, look what it says. Even as Christ loved, right? And he forgave you. So you also must do. So there's your example. If you let God mold you, you would get rid of what you have in the flesh and you would put on all those attributes of Jesus Christ and you would be able to forgive. You would be able to love and you would be able to do it like you should. But above all these things, look what it says. Put on love because ultimately that's what Christ is. That's what Christianity is. It's the ultimate love that we are able to share with people the gospel to give them the love of Christ. Why? It's the bond of perfection. The love of Christ, putting on all the tender mercies, letting God mold you into the character shape that you need to be, is a bond. It bonds us together. It helps us stay together. It builds relationships that last forever, that can get through whatever and be whatever it needs to be to promote fellowship. That's called the bond of perfection. And what happens when you let God mold you and you're living that bond of perfection and let the peace of God, look what it says, rule in your hearts. And I'm not talking about the, the cardia, right? I'm not talking about the heart that pumps blood. We're talking about this heart. You see, if you're going to be like Christ and put on those examples, you're going to let God mold you and it's going to change the way you think. And God is going to rule in your thoughts to which also you were called in one body. That's the church. Look what it says. Be thankful. Be thankful for what? Be thankful that you're in the body. The body is the church. The church is the bride of Christ, according to the book of Ephesians. The bride of Christ has a husband. That husband is Christ. Therefore, you have that last name, Christian. And you have been told how this family acts. Do you see how that works? And that's why he says, if we go back, that's why he says, 
leaving us an example that you should, that you should do. And so you let God mold you. You let God rule in your hearts, help you with your decisions. You go to God for everything that you need. And you learn what Christ does. Christ does work. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about. Look what Jesus was doing. Jesus was doing good. That's what we need to be. Our first example that we need to follow is love. And when you follow that example correctly and you let that bond of perfection be molded into your heart, molded into your thoughts, what are you going to be doing in your actions? You're going to be doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. You know what that looks like today is not miraculous today. What that looks like today is you following the example of Christ and of Paul and the apostles doing good, preaching the gospel, those who are oppressed by the devil. That's sin. So we can preach the gospel. For God was with him. You see, you do good work. You you free people from the devil. God's with you. That's the same way he's with Christians today. He knows who you are. He knows if you're teaching and preaching. And if you're out there changing lives, guess who's with you? God is with you. That's an example that Jesus has given us that we can have also. Look at John chapter 9, verses 4 through 5. Look what he says. He says, I must work. Not there's an option to do what God wants us to do in the form of spreading his word and and making Christians and making the world better one person at a time. It's a must. So the example that Jesus is leaving us is a must to work. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. He has no time to waste. While there is time and area and place to work, He is going to work while it is still day. The night is coming when no one can work. There will be a time that we will say, how much time have I wasted? I should have been working harder. I've wasted so much time. But Jesus is not about wasting time. He's about getting to the work. As long as I am in the world... As long as you are in the world as Christians bearing that last name, Christ, living by that example, I am the light of the world. Today, Paul teaches us that the light of the world is Christians. Jesus teaches us that the light of the world is Christians. Paul teaches us in the book of Romans and first Corinthians and second Corinthians that Christians are the ones that are going to give the light of the world to those who are lost, those who were oppressed by the devil. Now, who ultimately gave that example? Jesus. What kind of example do we need to be just like that? But we need to be humble. You can't live that way if you're not humble. You've got to have humility. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And the Bible says, he that is God will lift you up. Think about this for a moment. Look at Christ. This is his character as a human on earth. Let this mind be in you. Now, when Paul was writing to the Philippians, the Holy Spirit had guided him to write like this. And so he said, let this mind be in you. So I want you to have the same ideas that I have. I want you to have the same ideas that Jesus has. Now, today he's speaking to you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Boy, we need this lesson. 
We need this lesson in our society today. Look what he's saying. Who being in the form of God. Stop right there. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Let us create man in our image. Whose image are we? We are the image of God and Christ in various aspects. So look what he's saying. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, what about him who being in the form of God? So you mean I can have this mind and Jesus was like God? Yes. Why? Because we're creating his image and we've been left that example and we can do it. Now, how does this work? Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal to God, to live that holiness, to live up to a standard. Right. But he made himself of no reputation. He didn't take it from himself. Taking the form of a bondservant. The Greek word there is doulos, which is translated slave. Taking the form of a slave unto God, meaning his humanly body may have wanted to do something different, but his mind was owned by God and he was a slave to God, a bondservant in a human form making himself of no reputation. But look what he says. And coming in the likeness of man, so me and you can can uh, associate ourselves with this type of uh, character and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see, Jesus had to become obedient in the flesh, even though he is God, he was in the flesh and had to live without sin for us. How did he do it? He was obedient to God into he was a slave. So he let God guide his mind, let him uh, be the person he needs to be, live a holy life. And how did he do it? By humbling himself. Man has a pride problem. And a lot of times we want things to be done our way or no way. And that being said, we can do well by humbling ourselves and not doing what we want to do, but doing what the Bible is showing us to do to be a Christian and to live a Christian life and to live the example of Christ. Because after all, when you read the Bible and you become a Christian, you are owned by Christ. Therefore, you will live the example like Christ. That's why you become a Christian. You're saying Oh, I want to be like thee. Make me like you. That's why you are baptized into Christ. So you can be like Christ, taking up in the resurrection, just like Christ was by the power and the glory of God. We will have that likeness. That's why we want to be Christians in the first place. But some of us, when we get into the family, we forget that example. We forget that we wanted this. And then they start to kick and fight and have growing pains and want to leave the family. But Christ is loving and forgiving and is long suffering also. Look what it says here, John 15 and verse 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's how much Jesus loves you. Also in Ephesians chapter five, verse 23, Jesus is going to save the body. Literally says that. What is the body? The church. So as he goes through, he says, how? Like a husband is going to protect and save his wife, Christ will save that bride. And so here, why would he do that? Because he loves. Look at 1 John 4, 8. 
He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So the example of Christ ultimately is love. So we have to have the mind of Christ to love everyone. But to follow the example of God the Father, to do the family name proud. You know, I know some of us from Texas, I know you were raised that way. Don't you make our family name bad. You keep that family name strong. You were taught this your whole life. In Christianity, it is even more important that we take care of that name, Christian. Christ is obedient and pure. So we need to be obedient and pure. Look at this aspect of the example that we're supposed to follow. Though he was a son, now we're sons also. We're sons and daughters. We're adopted into the, the body of Christ. We are the seed promise of Abraham. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience. Listen, though we are adopted and are sons and daughters in the family of God, we need to be obedient. How do you do that? You learn obedience by the things which he suffered. It's called growing pains. Sometimes in Christianity, we don't think we're good enough. And we think, why am I struggling like this? Well, why, why can't I do this anymore? Because the Bible says, does it really say that? Why do I have to change my life? That's learning in humility, humbling yourself. That's learning in obedience through the suffering of the flesh. This is why Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it teaches us that we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. How, what does that mean? That means sometimes you have to say, I'm not going to do this even though the body wants and sacrifice that want or temptation for the greater good of God. Why? Because that's the example that was given. And having been perfected, that is Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation. Look what it says to all those who obey. In other words, to all those who are like him. Oh, to be like thee, to be like Christ is to obey him. Look at 1 Peter 2, 21 through 22. This is what we're going to get to. For to this you were called. You're called by the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Paul. The death, burial, and resurrection. You decided to accept it. Because Christ also suffered for us on the cross, leaving us example that we need to bear our cross. We need to die to sin. We need to be like Christ. You were called to the gospel just like he suffered on the cross leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Now watch this. What did he do? He committed no sin. What do you mean I should follow his steps? He committed no sin. I can never be that good. Maybe you can't. But that's what you need to strive for. You see how that works? He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. If we were to continue to read the context, it says, for you have spent enough time in, as the Gentiles, living a life like the Gentiles, lying, murders, drunkenness, all this. He says, that's not the will of God. The will of God is for you to live like him. So when we think about that and we think about, am I living up to the example of Christ? All we have to do is look at our own life and say, would Christ do this? Whatever you're doing, would Christ do that? If Christ were here, would I do this with him? You know, so we have all these things that we need to be um, examining our lives with. What about being truthful? 
Look at this example. This is one of the best examples that you can see about being truthful. John 8, 45 through 46. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. We hear that all too often, right? I'm telling you the truth. I promise I don't believe you. We can understand what he's saying here. But the reality is, is he tells the truth. So what do we need to do as Christians? We we need to make it a point to tell the truth always. We must also walk as him. First John two, five through six. Look what it says. But whoever keeps his word. Now, if you are going to be held as an example to Christ, that means you're keeping his word and following his word. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. He who abides in him. Look what it says. If you're going to abide in Christ, if you're going to truly live by his word, if you're going to really keep his word and try to be perfected unto God, he who says he abides in him. Look what it says. Ought himself. Also to walk just as he walked. That means you got to be like Christ. It makes me think of Mark chapter 8 verses 35 through 37. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Is everybody able to carry the cross that he's carrying to be baptized with the baptism that he's being baptized with? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? By that statement, Jesus is saying everybody's for sale. What's your weak point? That's what he's saying. If we walk like him by his word, his word is what keeps us strong, even though we have weak points. But if we allow ourselves to run our own course and saying, I'm trying to do the best I can to be like Christ, but you're really not reading. You're really not looking. You're really not trying. You're doing the best you can. And you have cut yourself off and said, this is the best I'm going to be. Then you're not doing the best you can. The life of a Christian is one that is constantly reading, learning, and growing all the days of your life. And every time you read, you will learn something different. You will see it differently. It will come alive to you. The Word is alive. And so you get all these lessons when you're 30 and you read something in the Bible and you're trying to live by it. Then you get to 60. Oh, you've gotten deeper, haven't you? Now you know the background, the history, and you can put it into context into your own life. But we need to want to walk as he walked. You see, the problem a lot of us have is that when we're put into Christ, what we wanted was to be saved from sin. What we wanted was not to go to hell. What we wanted was to have the blood of Christ cover us from all of our sins What we're not thinking when we go in the water and come out is, oh, no. Now I have to live up to my last name. Now I have to walk as he walked. And there's an example. And it becomes hard because all we wanted to do, speaking generally, is being just be saved from our sins. We weren't thinking that neither is a baby that comes into your home. You bring a baby home. Does that baby know it's going to go to University of Texas? No, you might. But he doesn't know. He doesn't know that his whole life's planned out. He's going to be a lawyer. He don't know it yet. But he's going to be it. You see, when you come into the body of Christ, you're a baby. That's what the Bible says. You're a babe in Christ. 
You don't know you're going to be an elder, but you will be. You didn't know that you were going to be great in the church for whatever reason, but, but you will be. You don't know any of this stuff yet because you're a baby. And that baby needs to grow and needs to walk and needs to run and needs to grow in maturity. So how do we get to this point? I don't want you to be scared to think you come up out of the water and I better start. That's it. I got to be there. No. But you will be. It takes time. And each one of us takes a different amount of time because we're all different. But the great aspect is, is that we can all strive to live by that example. And we all have the same goal and the same mark. What about being courageous? Look at what Luke says, Luke twenty-two forty-one through 43. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed. You know... My grandmother, when we would spend the night at her house, she would say, kneel down, kneel down and pray, kneel down and pray. And we'd kneel down and pray. And I would watch Nickelodeon. Back then, it wasn't called Nick at Night. That was years later. And they were playing all the shows I grew up with, so I became old. And as you're watching that, when they would pray before they went to bed, they would kneel down by the bed. And then I started asking around years later, my mom, and that's the way they did it. That's the way they were taught to do it. Well, why did they kneel down and pray? Here's why. Because he knelt down and prayed. The feeling here is proskuneo. Kneeling down before God, showing His glory and your humility and your obedience. Showing God that, Lord, I need you with all humility. I am down before you. And so it's okay to kneel. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You see, when we live by the example of Christ, that's what we do. We kneel down to God and pray to him in humble obedience, giving him full glory and honor in our bodies, no matter the cost. That's what Jesus is doing. What does it take to do that? Courage. It takes courage to be a strong Christian, especially in the times we live now. Well, in the times we live now, everybody is so outspoken. What I like the best is when somebody's outspoken and you you talk to them back and they get mad because you're outspoken also. They expect that they can be outspoken, but you can't. You see, that's how our our society is working today. But I'm going to tell you as a Christian, we can always tell the truth about what God teaches and about how we should live and morality and where it came from and that example that we need to follow because our example died for us. Nobody's dying for their cause. You see how that works? We have the upper hand as Christians and conservatives concerning our courageous teaching of the truth, no matter what. But look at the example that God gave. He does God's will. Ask yourself that question. Do you do God's will? Now, that's a very deep and complex question because there's different areas and facets of your life that you're doing various things. So what do we do? We do what Paul says. Examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in Christ. Each one of us needs to examine ourselves and each test is going to look different based on the life that each one of you is living. Therefore, We take the one guide, the Bible. We take our individual lives 
And we write down, this is what I'm doing. Let me see if this lines up with Christ. It's that simple. And what you have to do is ask yourself, is my eternal life, is my life, is my worth as a Christian, is it worth enough for me? Does it mean enough to me to take the time to write this down and look at the Bible to see if I'm living correctly? And I would tell you, yes, you're worth it. And it only takes a moment of time. John six thirty eight through 39. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's our example. If we're supposed to live to his example, he did the will of God. What does that mean for us? We must do the will of God. We can see that in Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. If you're taking notes, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 44. We've got to do God's will. First Peter four, verses one through three. Now, now let me tell you this. Let, let's back up just a little bit. When we're looking at doing God's will, I'm going to tell you that sometimes it's not going to be what we want. Sometimes God's will doesn't line up with our reality and we're forced to do. I say forced, but if you love God, you would do what he wants you to do. We're forced to make a decision. Do I do what God wants me to do, what I can see is right? Or do I keep living this life? And a lot of people stay right in the middle on limbo because that decision is too hard. Friends, listen, if Jesus could go to the cross and die for us, then we can give up whatever we have here. It's not as bad as the cross, right? Whatever it is uh, that you, you have is a problem. First Peter 4, 1 through 3, therefore... Since Christ suffered in the flesh for us, arm yourselves with the same mind. When he uses that word arm yourself, it means there's a fight coming and you need to be strong. So if we're going to live as an example like Christ, we need to be ready for war. What kind of war? Spiritual war. A war that the devil fights against us with temptation after temptation. And he's saying to you, this is fine. It's good. Everybody else is doing it. I don't care if everybody else is doing it. I'm going to do what God does. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Because I tell you what, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is going to hell. You don't want to go with them. You see how that works? So we have to have that same mind. Arm yourself with that same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh, if you are like Christ and living up to that example, like he suffered on the cross, if you're suffering in the flesh, guess what that looks like? You cease from sin. Why? Because ceasing from sin hurts. It hurts to give it up. And it's like you're being whipped on the cross. And he went through and suffered for you. You can also have some self-suffering in your life giving up those things that are not befitting of a Christian. You see, all this is very simple. Why? For he who has suffered has ceased from sin, that he who is living by the example that Christ gave, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men. Don't live like the world. Don't be like the world. Don't act like them. Don't look like them. Be different. Be like Christ. Why? Because that's how men want you to act. That's how men want you to be. That's their lust. But we need to live for, look what it says, but for the will of God. 
It seems so simple, right? How does a Christian be a good Christian? I got to live by God's will. What does God's will say? Let me see. Here's the problem. I'll take an extra 10. Here's the problem. God, Christ, on earth, continually said to the Pharisees, Have you not read? Have you not read? Have you not read? For the scripture says, Have you not read? We don't want to end up in a position where we get to the judgment and we're we're dying and he's judging us. And we ask, well, what, what, how did I supposed to know it say that? You know what he would say? We've seen it a thousand times. Have you not read? So it becomes the individual Christian's personal responsibility to know what the book says. So we need to take our time. There's no way out of studying. Do you know the hardest work in the Bible when you study from the Old Testament to the New Testament? When you look at the topics, the hardest work is the study of God's word. It's hard. It's taxing. But what comes with hard work? Good things at the end. Nothing in this life, you've heard it said before, comes easy. Everything that's worth something takes a lot of hard work to get it. It's the same thing here. Oh, it's worth something. And so we need to work and are studying to go get it, to know what it says. And here's the conclusion. We need to be great imitators. We don't just need to bear the name Christian. Um, they need to be able to see you. They need to be able that they see Christ when they see you. We need to be the great imitators. Therefore, Ephesians chapter five, one through two. Therefore, now let me let me back up. I feel like I need to say this in, in chapter four of Ephesians. He's telling we are all part of the one body, the, the one Lord, the one baptism, the one, 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 the singleness here of the body of Christ. We're all a part of that. Jesus is going to save that. He's likened it to a marriage. Um, Ephesians chapter five, verses 20 and following. So therefore, because we're a part of this great family, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. You know what I learned the other day? I'm getting more and more like my dad. I learned that. I got real mad at a drive through at Taco Bell. I said, I'll take a Coke Zero. I looked at the screen and I saw that they only had Pepsi products. I said, I'll take a Coke Zero on purpose. My dad does this. I was waiting for them to say, sure. And when I got to the window, I was going to take a sip and say, this isn't Coke Zero. What is this? Why'd you lie to me? If you had Pepsi, you should have said Pepsi products. My dad does this for fun. Right? He'll walk into a restaurant. He'll look over there and you're like, Mr. Pibb, Mr. Okay, I'll take a Dr. Pepper. And they bring it. This ain't Dr. Pepper. Right? And I was becoming more and more like him. But before I could get to the window, before I finished the order, the lady said, we only have Pepsi products. Is a Diet Pepsi okay? Yes, because you were truthful? Yes. <laughs> Getting more and more like my dad. You know, a lot of us feel the same way as we get older. I'm more and more like my parents. We need to be great imitators. We need to be more and more like God the Father. We need to be more and more like Jesus. You know how and why you became more and more like your dad or your mom? Because of how much time you spent with them. 
because how much time you spent listening and learning and following and learning how to be a part of that family. So inevitably, when you get older, guess what? No matter how old you get or how much you want to not be like your parents, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be like your parents and that's fine. This is what they're telling us. You need to be like God the Father as dear children. God is your parent. You need to be in the family. Take time to listen, learn, understand. Be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love. The most important thing. For love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus' love covered our sins. As Christ also loved us and gave Himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God. For a sweet-smelling aroma. If we imitate God correctly and we love correctly, guess what God has? A sweet-smelling aroma. He sees you. He understands your sacrifices that you're making every day. He understands that you're living like His Son. He likes what He sees. And it's a sweet-smelling aroma unto God. Now, isn't that a great place to be? Isn't that where we want to be? Look at John 13, 15, and 16 as we close for today. Jesus said, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master. We need to do the will of God. Jesus is our master. We are no greater than him, but we can live up to him. This ain't a bad old martial arts movie where the the student has become the master and there's a grasshopper and all this other stuff. It's not like that. You can never be better than your master, but you need to live up to that example. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. For you know these things. If you know them, look what he says. Blessed are you if you do them. You got to live by my example. You got to walk the walk and talk the talk. I want to talk quickly as we finish 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. Take heed to the word. This is what he says. He says, take heed to the word, Timothy, for in doing so, you will save yourself and those who hear you. What he's telling Timothy is you walk the walk and you talk the talk. You take heed to God's word. and You live by that example. And by living by that example, you are showing the world how to be saved. And if you live that life, you're going to save yourself and those who hear you and obey. That's the goal of a Christian to live like that. I know we all have work that we can do and we can all grow in various ways. The important part is that we take steps every day to grow a little bit more. You know, sometimes we'll take larger leaps than others. But what is our duty is to try to be better every day, to do something better every day to be humble and obedient and examine our lives to see if it's like Christ every day. If we make a change every day, it doesn't hurt. If we try to make a huge change when it's too late, there's too much pain. One step a day will get where you need to be. If anybody has need of anything, whether it's to put on Christ in baptism today or you need prayers for the congregation, come forward as we stand and as we sing.